Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Spirituality and Magic Podcast. I'm your host once again, Hunter Salazar, and today we're going to be talking about honor. What is honor? Um, it's defined in a, a lot of different ways in different cultures. Um, I have several books here that um, I'm going to be going into. Um, the first one is the one that I actually have places marked. The other ones are going to be a form of bibliomancy. We're just going to kind of flip through them and see if we can find examples of honor. Um, first of all, my uh, I'll list a little bit of my understanding of honor. So when it comes to honor, it's something that um, it takes courage to do. Um, so courage is not the opposite of fear. It is the... It is the the willingness or the the strength, the ability that you choose to follow, uh, in spite of fear, um, it is the it is the thing that you take up um, to perform an action that is difficult, uh, in spite of the fear that you feel because you have to take up that action. Um, what is honorable? Uh, we can talk a, a lot of the things that we ascribe to honor is really the action of honor and not honor itself. So I think it's honorable to um, to not take advantage of Earth as a planet, as our environment, as really our really our uh, mother in a way. Uh, to not take advantage of our status as um, the highest form of sentient beings beings on this planet, uh, but to care for all things that exist here. Um, honor is deciding to not to not greet things with anger, um, especially if you're afraid. If you're afraid, do not greet, do not greet these things, do actions by others with anger, but choose to think on it. Think on your reaction to things. Choose to not be reflexive in your, in your reactions to what people do to you. Um, choose to remain calm in times that most people would be afraid um, choose to be the kind of person that you would look up to despite your circumstances, whatever they may be. There are many codes of honor, but I think, you know, a couple principles is it is that which you feel your duty is, your duty is important in or uh, intrinsic because of. Uh, your duty to your community, your duty to your people, your duty to the world, your duty to the universe. And also the consistency of acting a certain way, acting in a way that perpetuates something that is good in the world, something that is that is uh, preserving of the world, preserving of your culture or your people or um, the multiverse. Um, it is, honor should be something that preserves, not something that creates chaos. It should be something that enlightens oneself and perhaps others instead of darkening one's understanding and consciousness. It should not lead to ignorance. It should lead to further degrees of enlightenment. So the first book, and that's just some of my thoughts on honor, but uh, the first book that we're actually going to go into is actually a book of science fiction. So um, you might be surprised by this title in this book, but there's actually some interesting ideas in here that really correlate to other uh, systems of honor um, that are actually, you know, 
systems of honor on the earth in actuality. Uh, but the book that I'm going, going to go into at first here is The Klingon Art of War, Ancient Principles of Ruthless Honor, translated from the original Klingon by Keith R.A. DeCandido. Now, um, you might ask yourself, why am I going to a fiction source at the beginning? Uh, it's because there is there are some very simplified uh, forms of honor, but also forms of honor that get to the heart of different cultures that have an idea of honor. So the first the first dictum, as is stated on the page in this book on page thirteen, is the proper foe. And uh, you know when it comes to this book, it's going to be dealing with enemies. It's going to be dealing with it's going to be dealing with um, uh, combating people. Uh, even if it's not necessarily enemies like physical enemies, intellectual enemies, uh, social enemies. So a lot of these things can apply in multiple different platforms of uh, of existence and culture. So the first dictum is called the proper foe. Warriors must regard their enemies as highly as they regard themselves. With no enemy, a warrior is only half alive. The foe is the warrior's mirror. And the warrior finds in his opponent the true image of himself. Warriors crave foes against whom they can be tested, their limits exposed and transcended. Recognizing one's rightful enemy is, a, is as sweet as discovering a hidden part of oneself, a long dormant desire, an ambition resurgent. Facing and defeating this enemy refines and elevates the hidden self, the essential nature. Victory against an enemy too easily bested is fraudulent, a sham of honorable combat, and it reveals only the blemish in a warrior's heart. So this makes a lot of sense that um, let's say that we come to you know the more com- combative side of honor. Uh, I'm not saying that I disagree with that I agree or disagree with this, but if we go to the combat side of honor, and I don't mean just physical combat, but combat in general, even if it's intellectual or mental or spiritual, um, choosing or realizing who your foe is is very important. So when it says the proper foe, um, what I would add to that is figuring out who you are innately when it comes to your own path. What is your nature? What do you want to work towards? What kind of person do you want to be? And no matter who you are right now, who would you like to be become in the long term? Who would you like to make yourself into? And what is the opposite of that? The opposite of that could be a proper foe. The opposite of who you want to be, not even who you are, but the opposite of who you want to be could be a proper foe to keep in the back of your mind and say, okay, this person is opposite to my my own desires and nature. Perhaps I can consider them as a foe. Uh, for instance, if uh, I have a very Odinic nature and I want to preserve the multiverse for as long as possible, which foes want to foster chaos? Which foes want to foster destruction? Which foes want to create fear? These foes could be proper foes, according to my own path of preserving. That's definitely something worth thinking about. 
So let's go ahead and go to the second precept. Okay, so we're going to turn the page here. This is an amazing book, by the way. It's uh, very well illustrated, and it has uh, really interesting ideas. Once again, it's the Klingon Art of War, Ancient Principles of Ruthless Honor. Okay, so we're going to go to the second dictum, the bold strike. Warriors must exalt unfettered action. While counselors discuss and scholars debate, warriors act. The harmonious warrior, the warrior always marching toward that which confers honor, does not hesitate. Action taken without undue consideration is pure. And warriors seek purity, purity of action, purity of purpose. When the fear of danger looms, wise warriors will assail it. When the thought of failure creeps, noble warriors will banish it. Thus per Thus purged of doubt, a warrior's mind is light as smoke. Quiet minds, free of deliberation, construct no obstacles between warriors and their aims. Clear minds do not impede the will, the primary instrument of a warrior's power. So when it comes to this, this is uh, it's hard to kind of acclimate to my own understanding of what honor is. Um, but I will say that if you're going to take on an opponent, whether it be physically, once again, or mentally or spiritually, um, it has to be bold. Um, but this boldness, this instant strike it's talking about, there's one thing that has to come before that. You have to completely know who you are and who you, and who your enemies are. You have to completely be aligned with your path to where you can see the direct opposite of your path and strike. For strikes to be bold, they have to be sure. But that sureness does not begin with a strike or even the enemy. It begins with an understanding of yourself. Then the enemy becomes far more clear, assuming you want to describe somebody as an enemy. Um, it's And, you know, another aspect is that uh, you should definitely study your enemies once you realize who they are. Or even if it's just an idea, even if it's just a concept, study that opposite concept. Understand it. That's how you can make a bold strike from where you are on your own path. Sureness of path and an understanding of the enemy. At any rate, before we go to the third dictum, let's go ahead and get a word from our sponsors. All right, everyone, and we are back. The third dictum is the trumpeted arrival. Warriors must announce themselves, proclaiming their intentions and desires, entering to the trumpets of their certainty. Warriors make themselves known at all times. Theirs is the way of honesty and backbone. For this reason, they forswear the shadows. A warrior does not whisper, nor plot, nor connive, in unwitnessed secrecy, warriors show their faces and hurry to confront danger, fear, and pain. You must not hide. Make your cause known to all, even to your enemy. It is only through candor, as simple as a blade, that you can achieve true strength and lasting honor. Okay, so contrary to Sun Tzu's <laughs> Art of War, the Klingons take a little bit more of a... a a more direct approach. Um, so, if you're if we're talking about honor in the way that 
it's if we, if we believe that honor in reference to this is that you don't try to connive or or be secretive about what you're doing to your enemies but conf- confront them head on um that does not work very much in in military history but it can work f- between one warrior and another once again whether it's physical combat mental combat spiritual combat you basically you basically put yourself forward and say i am this and you are my enemy. You know that you're you're my enemy. And it is time for us to battle. There is a place for that in in honor. It's honestly I I also believe that it's more honorable to um when you know and somebody is your enemy and when the battlefield is set and you must respond to basically tell them, you know, this is who I am. Uh, this is who I think you are. It's time to battle. Um, and once again, this is mainly pertaining not to something that's physical combat, because if you project your moves like this, it's not going to work out well. Or even military combat on a large scale. But if it's if it's warfare on the level of honor between one and one, and uh, it's more of a duel of intelligences, or even a duel of... Um, a duel of ideas, um, planting your feet in the ground and making yourself obvious and saying, I stand here. There's something to, there's something to be said for that. Um, there's something to be said for that, that there, there is an honor in that. There is, there is an assuredness of who you are and who they are, and now it's time to solve things. There, there is something to be said for that, for sure. Um, so, okay, we're going to go to The Art of Peace by uh, Morihai Ushiba, um, M-O-R-I-H-E-I space U-E-S-H-I-B-A, translated and edited by John Stevens. Once again, The Art of Peace. So this, ha- this is a book that is very much contrary to The Art of War, and I think purposefully so. Um, but it's it's a book that I think that, you know, it talks about what a warrior is. And, you know, I've been comparing what a warrior is to what honor is throughout this episode. So I hope that you understand this is the trajectory. But um, there's, there's some interesting uh, things in here about warriors. Um, and this is, once again, the art of peace. And um, Akito, this is, I think that this is written by the man who was a big master in Akito. Um, where you're directing your your opponent's uh, movements against them. You're using their own momentum against them to neutralize them, but not kill them. Aikido is, mu- is very much about um, taking somebody down without causing a lot of pain or killing them. So, but the art of peace, it's it's more of a it's it's more of a philosophy, and then the uh, you know aikido is an extension of that philosophy. Uh, Aikido being the martial art. At any rate, uh, this is page 91. Yeah, a true warrior is always armed with three things. The radiant sword of pacification, the mirror of bravery, wisdom, and friendship, and the precious jewel of enlightenment. So let's think about that for a second. So the radiant sword of pacification. Basically, you want to make the you want to make the situation pacify. You want to pacify the situation. I think that that is the reference. Um, you're not trying to 
view somebody else as an enemy. You're trying to view them as somebody who has an idea that you are enemies and their idea is incorrect. But they're coming at you. They're trying to harm you. So the situation and those other people or the other person has to be pacified. Um, and when it says the mirror of bravery, wisdom, and friendship, um, you're seeing yourself and your opponent. You're seeing a possibility for both of you being brave and still everybody winning in the end. And then both of you learning from it in wisdom. And then a friendship being formed. Uh, and the precious jewel of enlightenment, that very much sounds like um, that if you're going to take up some kind of warrior mentality, that ultimately a true warrior mentality should lead to enlightenment and not fastening oneself to this world or physical combat even. All right, so the next one we're going to go to in this book, The Art of Peace, is, um, let's see, page 131. Be grateful even for hardships, setbacks, and bad people. Dealing with such obstacles is an essential part of training in the art of peace. So basically, it's talking about obstacles being something that once you overcome them, you gain a lesson. Once you uh, deal with a, somebody who's like a bad person, even, you know, hopefully without really hurting them, or even if it's with the keto and you kind of neutralize them without hurting them or killing them. But uh, even if you neutralize a bad person, especially with not using any physical force, that gives you a lesson to how to deal with bad people of that same, of that same mindset. And I find that uh, very, very remarkable and very enlightening. Um, dealing with such obstacles and is, is an essential part of training in the art of peace. So the art of peace and the art of the warrior and honor, they can all be synonymous, in my opinion. So let's go ahead and go to the next part of this book. This is the final part in the art of peace that I'll be reading and commenting on before we move on. So this is on page 163. If you perceive the true form of heaven and earth, you will be enlightened to your own true form. If you are enlightened about a certain principle, you can put it into practice. After each practical application, reflect on your efforts. P progress continu continually like this. So I'll read that one more time. If you perceive the true form of heaven and earth, you will be enlightened to your own true form. If you are enlightened about a certain principle, you can put it into practice. After each practical application, reflect on your efforts, progress continuously like this. Okay, so when it's talking about the true form of heaven, it's talking about the highest ideal, highest virtue. Maybe literally, literally heaven as well, but it's talking about the highest principle. The form of heaven is a form we can replicate here on earth and, uh, and even be angels ourselves or demons. Um, but, you know, after you apply a certain technique and you feel you are in tune with heaven, um, reflect upon it, what you did wrong, how you can improve and how you can make yourself more virtuous and how you can become more honorable or do actions of honor in my own opinion. Okay. So let's go ahead and move on to the art of war by Sun Tzu. So I have not marked any pages in this, but I think that 
I can do some bibliomancy here and uh, find some passages uh, in this book. And uh, this is The Art of War. The specific book, well, the actual specific book is not marked as far as like the exact translation or author. But it is The Art of War by Sun Tzu. And um, it's, uh, I've read quite a bit of it and it matches up to other translations. Uh, so let's see. So this is a passage kind of really going at, talking about going after an enemy. Um, this might actually not. So like when it comes to honor, when it comes to, in comparison to virtue, this actually wouldn't be something that I would recommend. Um, because it's, it, it will arrest you military victory. But when it comes to honor, it's kind of opposite because military victory is all about winning. Whereas honor is, is different. It's more about... Um, pitting yourself against somebody in both of your best circumstances. And when, when you do that, when you both have your best circumstances, and uh, let's say somebody's winded and you walk away. And once again, this doesn't have to be physical combat. This can also be analogous to other situations. Um, you come and then you come back or they come back when you're both at your best. So this is uh, from The Art of War. Um, if he is taking his ease, give him no rest. And then the the uh, understanding is right below it. This is probably the meaning, though Mei Yao Chen has the note, while we are taking our ease, wait for the enemy to, enemy to, to tire himself out. The Yulan has lure him on and tire him out. So we're getting down to, you know, once your enemy is tired, attack. Um, and then let's go on. If his forces are united separate them. Once again, if somebody's allegiances are are united, they have this one idea of how they're going to approach you, and then they have this other idea, divide them, make them uncertain in one form or the other. Once again, kind of the opposite to honor in um, the understandings that we've read prior. Um, to attack him where he is unprepared, appear where you are not expected. Um, and that is also the opposite. Um, but it definitely leads to military victory. So, you know, a lot of these things in Sun Tzu are not, are, are very much for military victory. Honor is something that is completely opposite to the book of Sun Tzu because honor is about, uh, a victory in virtue. Virtue is not something that wins you military victories. Um, virtue is something that wins you victories at home and in the heart's in minds of people around the world, but it's not something that gives you military victories. Once an once an enemy is named, once an enemy is uh, sought to, you seek an enemy to destroy them. Um, it's something that is higher than physical battle, uh, especially when people are killing each other. So I'll give you another example from the book. Uh, let's see what we can find here. Do some bibliomancy. Uh, Uh, we cannot enter into allegiances until we are acquainted with the designs of our neighbors. So this is actually the, the actually this one can still coincide with honor because you have to know the people who surround you. You kind of have to know um, what their strengths and weaknesses are. And if the warriors around you, if the people that support you and the people that you support 
um, who can be understood as neighbors in this um, have certain weaknesses, you definitely want to know them. They have certain strengths, you definitely want to know them. Um, and then, you know, that can still co- coincide with honor that you strengthen your neighbors or you uh, no longer claim them as a neighbor. That can also play into the uh, the idea of honor we've been discussing. But usually you want to strengthen those around you instead of just getting rid of them. That is the way of honor, in my own opinion. All right, so we are reaching the end of the episode, but I thought I might dive into one more book here because I got about five. But um, this one is The Way and Its Power, uh, Lao Tzu's Tao Te Ching and Its Place in Chinese Thought. Translated and edited by Arthur Wally, or Whaley. Uh, the Way and Its Power, basically. Let's see if we can find through Bibliomancy some... Uh, bit of understanding here. So when it comes to kind of passing on uh, or having bravery or an understanding of that which is emptiness, I think this can imply because a lot of what we attach ourselves when it comes to honor is things that are in relation to this world, what we have an understanding of. But honor is also being brave enough to go beyond what we know. It's honorable to go beyond for the goal of becoming one. Okay, so we're going to page 53, and I hope this pans out because I think it will. But Okay, so we're going about the halfway down page 53. The main controversy of Chinese thought in the 4th century BC has, uh, has centered uh, around the rival claims of life and death. Of the, of the ancestors as against the lives, sons, and grandsons. Oh, no, no. Let me restart. The main controversy of Chinese uh, philosophy in the 4th century BC has centered around the rival claims of life and death of the ancestors as against the living sons and grandsons. To the Taoists, such debates were meaningless. Looked at from anywhere, the world is full of insecurities and contradictions. Looked at from nowhere, it is a changeless, it is a changeless uniform whole. In this identity of opposites, all antimony, uh, antinomies, not merely high and low, long and short, but life and death themselves merge. When Chuang Su's wife died, the logician Hui, uh, Hui Su came to the house to join in the rites of mourning. To his astonishment, he found Cheng Su sitting with an inverted bowl on his knees, drumming upon it and singing a song. After all, said Hui Su, she lived within you. Going to the next page here. Brought up your children, grew old along with you. That you should not uh, not mourn for her in bad en- is bad enough, but to let your friends find your you drumming and singing that is really going too far. You misjudge me," said Chuang Su. When she died, I was in despair, as any man well might be. But soon, pondering on what had happened, I told myself that in death, no strange new fate befalls us. In the beginning, we lack not life only, but form. Not form only, but spirit. We are blent 
in the one great fearless or future featureless indistinguishable mass then a time came when the mass evolved spirit spirit evolved form form evolved life and now life in its turn has evolved death for not for not nature only but man's being has its seasons its sequence of spring and autumn summer and winter if someone is tired and has gone to lie down we do not pursue him with shouting and bawling she whom i have lost has lain down to sleep for a while in the great inner room to break in upon her rest with the noise of lamentation would but show that i knew nothing of nature's sovereign law and i think there's a lot of honor in that realizing the the place of things the time of things the seasons of things that is honorable to me i've been trying to display my idea of honor by analyzing these books I hope that this has helped. <laughs> I hope that maybe I gave you some good ideas. Um, that's really the point of me doing anything that I do, is trying to help other people think about things. Um, I have friends who... I have many friends who give in different ways. I think that my way of giving is... I try to make it anyway, is trying to make people think about things. I don't want anybody to believe like I do, necessarily. I just want people to find their own truths. Not mine, but their own. That's that's the purpose of who I am. That is my own honor. And that is how I pursue honor. Is to give back in the way that I think that I can. And really that's how everybody pursues honor. Do it fearlessly. Do it unselfishly. And do it without reflecting upon the fruits of your actions. Focus on the virtue of your actions and not the fruits. And you can remain a warrior if you want results, <laughs> it might take a while. But if you focus on pure action, there will be results for other people and yourself. But we can't reflect on that. We have to focus on being a warrior now, not what being a warrior will give to us. That is honor. That is truth. That is understanding. That is love. At any rate, thank you very much very much for listening. If y'all don't know, I have a YouTube channel dedicated to the same mission um, under Hunter Salazar on YouTube. Uh, I will be the first result if you type my name in. Um, if you have any desire to support my channel and my work for just a dollar a month, uh, feel, free to con- or feel free to become a patron on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash darkrealist, capital D, capital R. At any rate... Find your own definition of honor, find yourselves, and have a wonderful day.